Life Audio. You're listening to Therapy and Theology, and I'm your host, Carly McLear. This podcast is a space where we explore popular topics and questions related to the convergence of faith, feelings, spiritual formation, and more. My prayer is that through these conversations, we will grow in our awareness of who we are as beloved children of God, learn to acknowledge our needs and emotions with curiosity and compassion, and rediscover the purpose and power of our unique stories through the lens of the gospel. As a licensed therapist and ministry leader, I want to give voice to the many questions we face while cultivating a clearer view of how our faith informs our healing journey. I don't have all the answers, but I am committed to going deeper and walking together. So whether you've been to therapy or know exactly what you believe when it comes to theology, I want to invite you to join this journey as we fearlessly name the complexities of our present reality and press into the hope of the gospel story. So are you ready? Let's jump into today's question and begin this journey together. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hello and welcome back to Therapy and Theology. I'm so glad to be back with you this week and excited to be diving into the final series of this season of the podcast. You know, for a while now, I've been thinking about this series and just how important it is in our current cultural moment. The term deconstruction is very popular and one, though, that I think we use very broadly yet have a hard time defining. I tend to see this process frequently in my counseling practice also as clients come into therapy working through various challenges, their perspectives of God and faith quickly emerge and often highlight wounds from their childhood and distortions that they have come to believe about themselves and the world around them. For me personally, I have watched many of my friends walk through this process of deconstruction and with many leaving their faith altogether. I too have had my fair share of walls where I have been brought to ask many questions I never thought I would. But regardless of what our associations are with the term deconstruction, We have to face the reality that it exists and, may I dare you even say, honor its process to come to a deeper understanding of truth. For many, this journey of reconciling our stories and the experiences of the truth of scripture can be very challenging, especially when the faith that we've grown up with 
seems to have perpetuated these wounds and given way to distorted beliefs about the goodness and grace of God. The brokenness of our stories has a way of adding to the disillusionment of our faith that many of us feel. I often witness the many ways messages of misdirected religious culture have caused discouragement and even downright hate for those who claim to be Christian. For those who have been abused, controlled, confined, or cast out in the name of faith, this path of reconstructing anything worth salvaging from the rubbish of religious trauma is painful. Yet in the midst of a polarized and politicized Christian culture, my desire is to find a path that follows the sweet message of the gospel. For truth was never meant to be weaponized or demonized, and it is able to withstand our questions and our doubts and all the messiness that Christians don't want to talk about. Yet to find this path, I think we must be willing to bring our questions, our fears, our guilt, our shame, our wounds, our whys, and sift through them in community with courage and compassion. So to do that, I want us to start by defining terms. Let's discuss what deconstruction is and how we can understand it in a biblical context. The term deconstruction, by definition, is analyzing, typically in order to expose hidden internal assumptions or contradictions and to subvert its apparent significance. This concept of subverting is undermining the power and authority of an established system. In this case, the deconstruction of religion is undermining the power and authority established by religion itself. With this definition, we see how secularism uses deconstruction to criticize truth, challenge its authority in our culture today. This way of deconstruction is based on cultural opinion or personal experience. Thus, the result often leads to rejection of truth and misinterpretation. In contrast, biblical deconstruction is the type of deconstruction Jesus talked about throughout his ministry. Contrary to our culture, Jesus used truth to expose the distortions of religion and cultural assumptions, pointing his disciples to the contradictions such messages perpetrate. He challenges the authority of man's established systems of religious law and self-reliance by going back to the message of the gospel and the foundation of our faith. This is the invitation for this series to explore our templates of belief by using truth to expose religious assumptions and wounding messages and disrupt the narrative that distorts God's heart and hope for us as his beloved children. If we are going to truly grow and mature as believers, then this process is one we are each called to in some point and in some way of our lives. You know, this journey with Jesus is one that takes courage and honesty and perseverance and a whole lot of support to build a solid foundation. So if you have yet to hit a wall in your faith, or if you have hit a wall and are struggling to find footing ever since, I hope we can take the next several weeks to walk together, to lean in, and to learn with curiosity and compassion how God might be revealing himself in the shattering, the unknowing, and the undoing. Unlike the black and white thinking many of us maybe have grown up with that demands faith and knowledge and shames doubt, I want to break down those walls and remind you that your questions are welcome here. Your anger, 
is explored here. Your fears are heard here and your wounds are grieved here. Not having questions or doubts is not the measurement of spiritual maturity. I honestly believe that the depth to which we can question and ask God honestly is a good sign of our trust in his heart towards us. So I think the best place to start when talking about deconstruction and deconstructing the distortions that so many of us have been wounded by, we have to talk about the framework of belief or the templates for our belief and the role that biblical deconstruction can have in deepening our faith and relationship with God and with others. John Mark Comer explained this pattern of belief development in a sermon, noting three specific stages, construction of belief, deconstruction of belief, and reconstruction of belief. So let's talk about each one of these and explain the questions that come from each stage. First, we have construction. This asks the question, what do I believe, right? Many of us construct our beliefs or our worldviews within our family of origin, our context, our Christian involvement, our church involvement, and our lived experiences. In many ways, I find that the construction of our belief is often shallow by nature. It is black and white, such as faith versus doubt or sin versus holiness. It's very logical and less experiential. I think I can acknowledge for myself the construction of my beliefs growing up in a Christian culture that I believed God loved me and I was also called to holiness. And based on my own temperament and personality, that grew into a big fear that I was disappointing God. Although this message was never verbally given to me, I oftentimes associated my performance with God's love for me. This was a construction of belief that is not necessarily true, but vastly impacted my experience of God and spirituality through much of my childhood. Now, as much as we can look at these beliefs and understand them, what we recognize is that much of what we construct in our lives and what is told to us, whether indirectly or directly, can be damaging. And so the natural progression of this is deconstruction. This is where we start to ask the question, what is wrong about what I believe? From a developmental perspective, we can see how the construction of our beliefs oftentimes hits a wall. We come to this crossroads where we have to recognize that our thought, our cognitive knowledge of a belief, black and white thinking, right, left brain experience, then has to connect with right brain experience. And so this is where a lot of times I think we can get stuck. This is where deconstruction has to happen. We have to ask, wait, what? What am I believing that's not true here? And this is maybe where I'm causing the distress. But I think for at least what I've experienced and for what I discuss with my clients, that many of us have a hard time going into deconstruction. And maybe this is because systems have discouraged doubt or fear, or maybe due to the instability of what our questions produce. Like if we have to question God's faithfulness, if we question our faith in general, what does that mean? Right. And I think that can cause a lot of distress. And in our faith communities, maybe we don't necessarily feel like it's safe to do so. Whether it's assumption or spoken, though, the distortions of truth impact us in various ways, both relationally and spiritually. 
right? If I continue to believe that God's basis for my love is based on my performance, then my whole way of being a Christian is going to be very performative. And I'm constantly going to be chasing after God's affection for me. And this has created in our culture so much anxiety, right? And there's so many other beliefs, I think, that have been cultivated in religious culture because we have failed to step into deconstruction in a healthy way and go back to truth and say, is that true? Is my performance actually a means by which I receive God's love? Or is my performance or my discipleship evidence of God's love for me, right? It comes out of a heart that is flowing from being loved. Being able to see flaws and biases and acknowledge religious corruption and unblend from the messages that have confined us to black and white thinking is necessary. I remember being asked in a philosophy class back in college to write down one thing I believed that was not true. And I remember this like it was yesterday. I had a really hard time. I sat there perplexed because for the first time I had to explore my thoughts and beliefs and expose what was actually true versus what I assumed or was instilled in me through experience and words. What is wrong? What are the things that I believe maybe that actually aren't true? And how can that help me grow in my spirituality rather than allow me to maybe deconstruct my spirituality in a way that makes it more destructive to me? Ultimately, deconstruction undoes things, doesn't it? I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but man, the confusion and disillusionment and discouragement that deconstruction brings is very scary. And from my own experience, in it, it can create an isolation where we don't really know what to do and we don't really know who to believe. And so the most important thing is that we go back to truth and we read that we are to renew our minds, not by just dismissing our doubts or quieting our questions, but by renewing our minds through what? Testing what is good and true and what is the will of God. And this is where we have to press in and ask the hard questions and go back to scripture and understand through community what is true. Yet, and oftentimes this limbo leads us to doubt and fall away from faith and can draw us away from the complexities of how God moves among us. I don't know if it's just our Western way of living, but oftentimes I think pain is considered wrong or bad and the uncomfortability of pressing into this complexity leaves us from just wanting resolve. We just desire for things to feel better. Um, but what we realize in this is that we don't grow, right? Growth is produced in difficulty. And just like anything, when we grow in our strength or we grow in the tension of the unknowing, it produces some beautiful things. And so what if we could say in these moments that it was okay to not know or to have the wrong answer. It's okay. Maybe it's okay to ask the questions and explore God's word with curiosity rather than fear of condemnation. This is where we begin to learn how to reconstruct a healthy belief based on truth and informed by lived experience. The one caveat I want to put in here too is we can go the other way. Instead of fearing fear and anxiousness, we can become angry and 
that's okay too. The anger tells us something. It tells us that we had an expectation of God maybe or of a religious culture that has failed miserably. And we can lean into that and we're going to in this series. And so this comes to the third stage of reconstruction where we ask the question, what is still true? What are we still holding on to after all of the deconstruction has happened and we've asked these questions, what are we coming back to that is true and founded in scripture? Comer notes that our reestablishment of mental maps is where we hold a higher capacity for paradox. And I love this. I often talk to my clients about this very thing, this coexistence of our reality where pain and joy can be experienced, where God is good and there is hardship because we still live in a broken world. And sometimes these coexistence, this paradox in our life can be very difficult to get to. But here's where we begin to learn to experience wisdom and humility, to understand that the truths of God's kingdom are oftentimes very different than our expectation. But we can embrace the flow of fears and needs and understanding by embodying grace and humility for ourselves and for one another. I was recently talking about this with friends and we were explaining that oftentimes we're all in different places in our spiritual journey. And so we can either be experiencing this ourselves and feeling really rejected by those around us. And if this is you, if you've experienced judgment from those in the Christian community because of your questions and doubts, I am so sorry. If there's one thing I know, it's that we cannot do this alone. I often talk with people both in church and in therapy about their experiences in the church. And how they've been so wounded by asking questions or by bringing fears or doubts or even their own sin and experience to someone else. And this is where I think the church has gone wrong and where we can rebuild how we explore deconstruction as a body, as a community, as a family. And Jesus embodied this invitation to reconstruct our beliefs and expectations and assumptions by coming close to him, by bringing him our doubts and experiencing his presence in new and tangible ways. I think about the way that Jesus moved towards Thomas, where he didn't just give him the theology of his resurrection, but he said, look at my hands, feel and see. And this is what I think we can do as a body of believers is to lean into these things together and acknowledge the wounds and explore the truths and get a better grasp of God's character in all of these things. When I think about what leads people to deconstruction, I think oftentimes it's it's many different things, right? Whether it be a personal wounding, um, a bad church experience, relationships breaking down, our family of origin, spiritual abuse, sexual abuse, trauma of any kind. These large experiences in our lives create extreme dis regulation. And in many ways, I think allows us to, for maybe the first time in our lives, challenge what we cognitively know to be true and what we are experiencing in real time. And this contradiction, I think, is what leads a lot of people to question God. And that's okay, right? When we look back to scripture, we see so many people in scripture, those that are men and women of faith that challenged God and asked God, where are you? And even Jesus himself, right? 
says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We all experience this divide of separation between what is good and what we experience in this brokenness. And so the brokenness we experience impacts us with personal woundings. And then we also have this challenge of cultural truth, right? This this idea that everything is relative and we can all believe what we want to believe and everyone's right. And what happens in that is that truth kind of gets blurry and we tend to have a difficulty understanding or reconciling how can we understand each other and love one another and also have different views. And then finally, I think in the Christian context, we can have different theological perspectives and lean maybe far one way to the other, right? We hear this concept of cheap grace, or we hear this idea of high holiness. And either one of these extremes causes, again, this disruption in our understanding of God's character. He is a loving and gracious and good God, and he is also a holy and just God. And so reconciling these things can cause a lot of difficulty. So where do we begin in this process? I think this is maybe just a starting point for us as we dive into many different questions and thoughts when it comes to deconstruction. I'm going to, in the next few weeks, just share a few different, I would say, common distortions in Christian culture that need to be deconstructed in a way that allows us to understand truth and heal from the wounds and the cultural concepts and this division of our theology. What I think the first step that we can take in doing this is inviting God into the process by simply acknowledging honestly your questions you have for him, your concerns, the fears, the misplaced expectations, and the wounds that we all have encountered or will encounter in our lives. It's okay to ask those questions. We see this in the Psalms. They're filled with so many honest prayers and petitions and laments. I encourage you to just find one psalm that speaks to you and use this as your template for this process. And as we dive into the next several episodes, I pray that the Spirit will intercede and help us renew our minds and instill the good news of the gospel. And as we close today's episode, I just want to pray this beautiful liturgy over us as we step into this process of acknowledging our doubts, deconstructing the distortions that have wounded us and allowing the Spirit of God to be revealed in us. This is a liturgy from Every Moment Holy, and I'm just going to read a few sections of it. It says this, Have I believed in vain? Are your words true? They seem so distant to me now. Is your presence real? I cannot feel it. Do you love me, or are you indifferent to my grief? Under the weight of such darkness, how can I remember the sunlight of your love as anything more than a child's dream? Under the weight of such doubt, how can I still proclaim to my heart with certainty that you are real? And so, Jesus, I do the only thing I know to do. I drag my heart again into this clear and desolate place to see if you will meet me in the place of doubt, even as you mercifully met your servant Thomas in his uncertainty, even as you once acted in compassionate response to a fearful father who desperately pleaded, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. In your presence, I can offer my questions, knowing you are never threatened by my uncertainties. They do not change your truth. 
My doubts cannot unseat your promises. You are my rock, O Christ. Your truth is a rock that I might dash myself against until my strength is spent and I collapse at last in despair. Only then to feel the tenderness of your embrace as you stoop to gather me to myself. Draw me to your breast and cradle me there, for I find I am held against by love that even my doubts cannot undo. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Therapy and Theology. If you have a question or topic you would like discussed on a future episode, please feel free to email me or drop it in the comments. Also, don't forget to subscribe to have each week's episode instantly downloaded to your podcasts and see the show notes for resources mentioned in this episode. To access more content and join my monthly email list for the latest updates and info, visit my website at carlymarkwilliard.com. This, this is my skyship dreamer. My cargo is stories. And our destination, dreams. With Abide Sleep Stories for Kids, you can help your children fall asleep fast and learn about God. To find these kids' bedtime stories, go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Abide Stories for Kids. You can also download the Abide app for more biblical meditations at abide.com.